Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour is here across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. And if you're watching on the new YouTube channel, we hope you'll subscribe. We hope you will hit the alert button. That way, every time that we go live each day at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, or that we post new content, you're alerted to it on the new YouTube channel, Outkick 360. If you've been streaming the show on the Outkick channel, just know that's going away soon. Go subscribe to the Outkick 360 channel and you can join us daily on YouTube and on the other platforms. You can download the podcast. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the, in the week I went to Atlanta this weekend and spoke to some people that exclusively listen to the show on podcasts. For that, we appreciate you and we have a link tree available. If you have a certain podcast platform that you use, we're on it. You can find us literally everywhere on podcasts. Go to our bio on Twitter or tag to the top of the page at Facebook and you can find our link tree and you'll be able to go and pinpoint exactly the podcast platform to search out Outkick 360. Primary complaint was a success. Paul's huge success. Paul's time on the couch in the in the first segment of the show. If you missed that, go back and listen to that. Because that of my awesome. sleepless night, as a result of that, I need time on the couch after the show. That literally. was awesome. That's right. Paul's uh, a big nap guy. Great nap guy. Great in a nap situation. I am. Big Not night. everyone can do it. Big night for the Preds. No napping tonight. Game two at Carolina. Uh, an opportunity for Nashville to even the series at 1-1 and come back home to Bridgestone Arena. John Hines, with a chance uh, John Hines says the lineup lead at home. John Hines says the lineup will be different. He does not say how the lineup will be different. Tolvanen's I think that's no play. surprise. Tolvanen <laughs> has to. Play. You know, I've, he I've, needed on the power play. In the past, I've criticized hockey a bit in that the teams that should take control oftentimes don't because there is a certain randomness to the sport that many love that at times I don't love as much. But I find myself preparing for tonight's Preds game and thinking about this series and just not thinking they have a shot. I know it's one game, but that's one of many games they've played the Hurricanes this year, and it has not gone well. I, I, know, I know Preds fans understand this, but it has not gone well consistently throughout the year against this team. They're just better and I get the sense that better is going to prove itself over and over and over again in this series, whereas we've seen that's not necessarily always the case there, in NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Let me also throw out an idea for some defensive pairings because I think it's more than just the third defensive pairing that I would change up. I, I'm not hitting the panic button on the series down one game, but to me... You need to ensure that you're not caught on the ice with a bad matchup. I would consider pairing Yossi with someone else on the defensive pairing, as crazy as that may sound, just so I get Ekholm moved down a bit with Benning. Uh, and then you have Ellis down. Like I, I would move that around so that I have some of my better defensemen on the ice at all times instead of getting caught with Harper, for instance, with what we saw, who just not good and slow. 
I, I need more of uh, some speed and some defensive accuracy with these players spread out a bit throughout the lineup. I, I know that sounds a little drastic, but look, that third period and, and some of the consistency from Carolina said it all. Chad's right. Carolina's the better team. How do the Preds make this a series? Uh, they need their best players playing at a, a high level, a high standard, but also their coach needs to be better too. Yeah, I don't think yeah. that's drastic at all. Adam Vingan wrote today at The Athletic that uh, Yossi and Ellis paired together as good as they are in the regular season have consistently not done well as a pair in the postseason together. And that's another reason you're talking about uh, spreading out the defensive wealth. Well, together has not been a great asset for them anyway. I don't know if Fabro's half healthy, but like, do you pair him with Ellis? Do you... I don't know. I, they they have to be more than just a top defensive pairing, and then see what happens. They're just not good enough in front of the net if Soros isn't making the initial save, even I, if it's behind them. I don't know that I like messing with uh, the continuity of those defensive pairings at, at this stage of the season. But I think the hope is if you do that, these guys are just good, so good, and they're so much better than the other options of the team that they can make it work. Right, the, the, your two best guys yep. can make it work if they're split up. David, uh, you're a season ticket guy there. What, what do you do defensively? What do you expect them to do defensively? I, I'm not opposed to what Hutton just threw out there. Uh, the problem with Goodbranson and Harper, first of all, Harper is not very good. That's the problem there. But he's a big-bodied guy, and that's what they wanted. But Goodbranson's only been there since the trade deadline. He doesn't have any continuity, really, with any of the other defensemen. So uh, if, if you could pair up. Matias Ekholm is a, a top-line defenseman. Yeah, They have two top-line defensemen on their defense, and he and Yossi. So if you want to spread out the wealth between Yossi, Ekholm, and then Dante Fabro, I think that probably gives you the best opportunity. We have to keep in mind, though, look, this, this Carolina team is just so much better. They're so much more skilled. For years and years, the Predators built their roster around beating Detroit, beating Chicago. Lately, it's been around beating um, beating the Avalanche and the Stars. Well, the Kings built their roster to be able to beat Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh. So that's why they're so much more skilled than the Predators in this situation. But it's got they thought they found the formula in that Saturday night victory when they were standing them up in the neutral zone and not letting them penetrate. Well, the Hurricanes found the counterpoint to that on, on Monday night, and they showed that against you. How do you make that adjustment? I'm not really sure how you do it at this point, but something's got something's got to happen. You tried to beat them up. It didn't work. Do you try to outskate them today? I don't think you can no, do that. No, you can't either. do that. But you can't have Yarncroak, who's not very physical, in the penalty box for attempting to be physical within the first 30 seconds of the game. Like but That's just they, faking it. They killed yeah. penalties well, but... You don't want to be on the penalty kill because it kills your chances to, to go do things offensively. You need to be five-on-five five or on the power play yourself. They didn't do anything on the power play. Tolvin and back would help that. I agree. But, uh, look, if you're killing penalties well, that's great. You can't be killing five of them. You take yourself out of, out of chances to, to match them. So that, that's a big start there. You can't kill five penalties. Now, let, let's be fair to the storyline here. If they are able to steal a win tonight and get back to Nashville at 1-1, this is a series. Yep. This is a true series because if they steal a game, I think we're in, we agree 
it's because Soros plays up to expectation, and then they have uh, one of their top four players, uh, the, the the group that we've continually uh, continuously been referencing, play up to a standard that's meeting that of what Carolina's bringing on a nightly basis. If they do that, the hope and the energy and the expectation within the city, within that building, within that locker room, rises. I think it's 2-1 Hurricanes after three, whichever one they win. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more exciting going into game three if they win tonight, but then I think they'd lose the home game. If they lose this one, then the excitement going the into game? game three isn't that exciting, isn't as exciting, but I think they, they win it. I think it's 2-1 heading into Sunday. Yeah, Sunday at one thirty. But, I mean, Carolina's better. I, uh, they, uh, clearly they are. But, uh, and I think better wins in this series. And, and maybe so. I, what, I, what I'm curious about is because they, they have been alternating goaltenders. Um, and I'm, I'm sure they'll go back to their starter from game one. At least they should because he wasn't putting a lot of heat or big-time moments. But uh, that, I think that's my overall thought, though, is how will that – affect the series if the if the Preds can put a little pressure on the goaltending. I think they're average when I see them, but the, every, uh, the players around the goaltenders are not, right? Like I, that, That's the difference with how they're playing in, in front of the net. And the Preds didn't put enough heat on net in game one on Monday. You know, it's, it's uh, always an adage in sports that we worry about us and not the other team, and we got to worry about us, and I, I get all that. But this seems like a series where the Preds almost have to rely on Carolina not bringing it. And even you call their goal, goalie situation average, they need to be below average to me for the Preds to have a shot. And, and they need Soros to be Soros. I don't think you're asking anything otherworldly from Soros, who's been pretty damn otherworldly since March 15th, right? If he continues playing at that level, he's going to give them a shot. But you're going to need some guys playing below their average for Carolina, for the, the Preds to have a chance to win a game in the series. Rod Brindamore said, uh, I don't anticipate any changes to our group. Uh, and why would you? Uh, you know, you win a playoff game and look pretty good, stick with what's working, right? It's well, for it's the Predators to, to adapt to, to what didn't work. And with the time off, with the changes that can be made with the lineup, with the changes that John Hines chose to make going into game one, uh, let's keep in mind the changes that they made at head coach and the decision to bring John Hines in by David Poyle and this organization. It's time for John Hines to step up. We, uh, we've, we've referenced a lot of the high-powered high free agents that they brought in or made trades or they're paying certain players a certain amount of money at their position. Um, they, they said John Hines is our guy. It, it, Rod Brindamore outcoached him I think, in game one. I think Hines certainly deserves. He's got the better, he's got the better team. But he knew how to get certain pairings together on the ice, and they took advantage of that in the third he period. He certainly deserves the second guess on the lineups. He certainly deserves the second guess for what he had to say after that game. Um, I, I absolutely uh, think that's the case. And, you know, there's a debate to be had about, you know, a lot of people say, well, since, since uh, what's the date, Chad, March 15th, yep. he pushed all the right buttons. You know, in a way, he pushed all the right buttons. In a way, the way injuries and stuff went, mm -hmm. a lot of those things were forced 
uh, on him, right? He, he only had so many things he could do, and the way things laid out for him, we talked the other day about the, uh, X number of rookies had at least 10 games, and those rookies were uh, crucial elements sure. in their turnaround and all of those things. Well, he didn't say all of a sudden, hey, I'm going to play all these rookies. Um, he had injuries to deal with that forced the lineup turnover and things. So I'm not saying he doesn't deserve credit for his role in their turnaround, but also a lot of things were forced upon him in their turnaround that worked out great for them that I don't think he had a lot of choice in. The players need to bring the juice tonight, but can he make the right roster adjustments um, that that bring that? And it, you know, Tolvanen being in the lineup, maybe they don't win game one, even if Tolvanen plays. I'm not I'm not here to say that. But power play looked better. But the power play must be better when given those opportunities. Carolina is using the power play to their advantage, as any good team should. It's almost uh, energy drain for the Nashville Predators when they're on the power play. And how play. many times have we said that historically? Well, it, recent, it was in game one. I mean, it was advantage Carolina. They got a boost from killing off the power play. It's, it's And not, not having your top power play goal guy in, it's just uh, that's a tough, one to, a tough one to understand Yeah. in game one, and that's got to change. Looking forward to it either way. Maybe we look at the FanDuel odds. Uh, at the end of the show. I think that we, we I should think it's do a that. goal and a half. We should again. do it. Chad hit the parlay yesterday. Yeah, we'll bring good, back the parlay today. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Got a juicy one for you, Paul. For yeah. that. Paul, who loves strikeout props, you're going to love how in depth I'm getting with this one. Sweet. You're gonna like I it. love it. It really K-Props. looks into the numbers. Yeah, yeah as you know, Paul, I'm a very analytical guy, very number driven when it comes to very easy. I mean, I think all of us agree. If you sit down on your comfy chair in front of the TV and you start floating through some of those numbers early enough in the day uh, and look into some of the more specific things like K-props, you can can look up and half hour, 45 minutes are gone. I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to be sophisticated at all with my Preds bet. I'm betting Carolina (laughs) minus one and a half. They will win by multiple goals. That's going to be a very simple bet for me. We will. Okay, uh, what you guys say? That's what I'm betting. Not that profitable. We'll let you know what we're betting tonight, uh, both NBA and NHL, coming up later when we come back. Speaking of numbers, how much does the Titans value numbers and analytics? That's all ahead on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Talking Titans and analytics uh, during the Tennessee Power Hour with uh, the numbers that are just out there on I don't countless numbers of websites now that are available to dive in. Warren Sharp is among the very best at this with Sharp Analytics, uh, where I, I think even some teams, Paul, subscribe to his site in order for him to help dig through some of this information. But teams are also hiring their own personnel, their own directors of analytics and directors of, of stats and numbers, uh, except for one team. There's one team that doesn't have a designated title within the structure of their organization for this, and it's the Tennessee Titans. As you see, uh, the link sent out um, through ESPN. This is just, um, we're not expecting you to be able to read this font. But this gives you an idea of the 32 teams and all of the different names. And if you zoom in, 
on the, the, the next logo, you can see the AFC South. A number of titles here. Chief Football Strategy Officer, who also happens to be part owner of the team uh, with Tony Khan. Uh, but you see the group of names with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm not here to suggest that analytics equals wins. The Jaguars because suck. look at the Jags and look at the Houston Texans. Uh, but they have Weller Ross, Curtis Goodwin, and Kevin Clark among their staff. George Lee and John Park, anytime the Indianapolis Colts are on national TV, especially on NBC, they're showing these guys sitting up in the booth watching the game as the football strategy analysts and game managers. The Titans have a N slash A because they don't designate anyone for that particular role or hired specifically for that role. Perception is reality. Some, some think that the, the Titans don't care about this. They're so old school, they're not digging into the numbers. Others would say they are. They're just not putting a title in front of that person's name who is already on staff. Nonetheless, Paul, what does this signal to you? I don't that know. they're the only team in the league without someone listening? I don't know why you would want to appear to be uh, so behind the times in 2021. It's just weird. Uh, and I, I don't believe that they're doing it to the level that other teams are doing it. Um, and, and I don't really understand that. In the past, Mike Vrabel has said, you know, that they have uh, scouts and assistant coaches who deal with different elements of it. Stretch, who's Vrabel's right-hand man, who has a bigger title now than... Um, than you know, a, a assistant. assistant to the head football coach and does scouting and looks at TV tape mm -hmm. for clues and stuff and is a crucial piece of what they do and is an influential guy. Uh, he, he does analytics stuff, but uh, I'm sure if he was full-time an analytics guy, he would do a lot more and could do a lot more. I don't really understand it. I take it as uh, a stubborn Robinson Vrabel type thing. And I think there are situations where they are both like, we alone can do it, our way is the way. Vrabel said, I'm looking back at his introductory press conference, I think I asked him about this, and he said something, part of it was, when those numbers and my instinct are in alignment, that's when you use those numbers, which was shredded by the analytics community because that's exactly how not to use analytics. It's when the analytics tell you that your gut feeling is wrong that you, you should mm -hmm. use analytics. This said, he's made some very good analytics-type decisions. Uh, he's come up with sending a guy onto the field to draw too many men on the field penalty that has worked the clock to his advantage, which is an analytical-type decision where he's playing chess with the clock in a way that got the Titans beneficial stuff with their timeouts and their ability to get the ball back late in the game. He also punted on a fourth and two against the Ravens in the playoff game at the Baltimore 40 down 17-13 with about 10, yard, uh, 10 minutes left, which was uh, rated by one service as 99.92 percentile on the cowardly punt index and got the Titans only 25 yards in a crucial playoff game. So they're hit or miss on their analytical decisions, as everyone is. They do use analytics. I don't understand why they seem hell-bent on not having Who is it you said that does analytics for the them? 
Stretch, John Stryker. Does Stretch have a mathematics degree from MIT? No. Okay, because that's what analytics people are. Th that's what they do yeah. for a living. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's good enough to say, this guy who does a good job for me looks into analytics. Th these are people that are math nerds. That's what they look into they is, is the math department. of it, and uh, they, they need to do that. So, uh, you know, I think, Hutton, you said perception is reality. I look at this as reality is reality. Well, that too. And, and the Titans, keep they keep coming up as the one team that does things. They're the one team without anyone in analytics. I'd also ask the question, how many of those Jags employees were hired after Urban Meyer that are a part of his they had a regime? Big, they had a big analytics department They're underneath Tony Khan. Yeah, so the they, well, they, they, I mean, they've had that for a while, but... Uh, obviously, just because you have a bunch of people working analytics doesn't equal wins. But right. Titans being this is this is where reality is reality. The Titans being the lone NFL team, they're the lone NFL team to not have actual analytics people on staff. They were the lone NFL team to draft Isaiah Wilson a year ago, who went on to be the biggest bust in NFL history. Only one could. Then the next year, they're the lone NFL team to draft someone who was arrested in the days leading up to the draft, and they had no idea about it. They were the only one not to know about an arrest or impending incident well, that, with a player. True. There were other teams that didn't know. There they were, were the only team to draft to a draft. player yeah. who did not know about an impending incident with a player. So even if the other teams didn't know, they didn't draft them. So they dodged the bullet uh, with that. Um, those aren't lists of only teams I want to be on. So I, I don't know that it's just perception. Um, there was also a very questionable call from Mike Vrabel in the Falcons game they won a couple years ago. I forget exactly what it was, but that was debated by mathematic by I math think people went also. For another touchdown that would have uh, that really had no bearing. I, right. Something something but anyway, point being uh, it's twenty twenty one. Why not? Why people not? are doing this, you have the money to do it. It's either just being stubborn it's two things. It's you're being stubborn and saying, Well we we know it. We figured it out. We don't need it or your analytics averse, which I don't think they are. I don't think this is a, a coaching staff and a front office that's completely shut off to analytics. But that's the message you're sending when you do this. So I don't know why you're sending that message. One other possibility. It could farm it out, or they could be doing it in secret and just not put a title on anybody. Well, then tell someone that. Uh, well, <laughs> well, if you're doing it in secret that way, then they're content with being well, bashed for it. What not is the secret? People keep dumb secrets in the NFL for some reason. I'm not saying they're doing it. I'm saying it's it's one of the options that we have to consider as a possible. Okay, but if I'm... I don't understand. This is, why this, is where, this is where common sense just never seems to line up with NFL teams, and specifically the Titans at times. And Paul, you ranted about these uh, rookie camps, the, the secrecy around them, and what you can do, uh, what you can't do. I did. Yeah, and Hutton, Hutton, Hutton had a great rant about it where if you think that the, something's you know really getting done or you're hiding a secret, you're a loser, I think is the way you That's put it, That's what I said. Right? If you think there's some competitive advantage to not l letting us know that Dylan Radins is lining up at right tackle in May, you're a loser. They're I, not even doing team drills or one-on-ones. I think you are sending the wrong message to everyone if you allow lists like this to get out and show that you're the only person on the list, and then you insist on hiding the fact that you are farming out your analytics. Right. Because that is the job of someone in media relations or someone with the team to reach out to someone they know in the media and say, hey, we're getting crushed over this well, by some people. We are into analytics. We just farm it out. Then that story gets out why there, let your fan and this is whitewashed. Why, so why let your fan base yeah, why I, I would want any team that I follow or root for or you're a fan of, you would want, if they're 
getting drug across the coals, and they don't have to be drug across the coals because there's something people are missing, for someone in that organization to reach out to someone they know and say, here's the other side of the story. So then that story gets out and say, oh, well, this is how they're doing it, so now that makes sense. I think part of it, too, is they're not getting whipped by the analytical teams. They're, they beat Baltimore when Baltimore is the number one seed on you know, the road. They're, they're winning the division now. And, you know, all these staff members of all these teams that are just routinely in the top five of the NFL draft have the biggest staffs of these analytical departments. Um, and, and you can point to that. I, I also truly believe that in this league, if one team is doing something, every team's looking into it and is trying it out themselves. It's that competitive. So the, the idea that the Titans aren't into the analytics of the game of football, I don't think you can have success and ignore it. I don't think you can be that old school anymore and ignore it. Uh, I, I don't think they lean into it nearly as much as other teams, but that, not, that doesn't mean that they aren't having great results doing what they're doing. They are. Um, you know, comparing, and we can't read the list in full detail because of the size of this graphic, but comparing it to how much does Andy Reid lean into the analytics? How much are we seeing what's going on in the NFC and the top teams? How much is Matt LaFleur leaning into the analytics with Aaron Rodgers? He's kicking field goals instead of going for the touchdown and getting crushed for it. But see, I, I don't even think, though, you have to only think of it in those terms. Give me a team that had six wins last year. Did they win the sixth game because of the analytics? Is there a win to be had there? And could the Titans mm. have won a 12th game yeah, based uh, on making a, good, a better that's decision? A good way to look at it. That's a great and, point. And does it have to be a game a year? Is it a game every five years? How much would you pay for that one game? How much value is that? I, I heard the F well, Words podcast talking about this. I have to give a little credit. But they were kind of doing that value thing. How much? They said $500,000 to have an analytics department conceivably on the resources and the staff, which I think is a reasonable number. You'd pay $500,000 for a win every five years, wouldn't you, as an NFL team? Absolutely they would. So uh, that's a pretty simple equation. I think they're, that, that was good conversation yeah, by yeah, that's great that, that's a great way to look at it uh, a different twist on on that discussion but it's all like you, you can pay all that money but then have a head coach that's going to go 50 percent gut versus 50 percent numbers right and if that's the case then why not do what you've been doing well in the 50 percent numbers category is it enough to win you that 12th game or that sixth game or whatever game it is i, I understand what you're saying i don't think he does but it give that yourself way. every i don't think Vrabel looks at it that way i know but give yourself every opportunity give those guys a half an hour 45 minutes an hour whatever every friday where they come in and they tell you hey we're sure you've looked at the tendencies of x y and z but here are five the five most important things that we see about the cardinals heading into this game mm-hmm. if if you didn't come across it here's a one page sheet on what we discovered. We'll give it to you on game before you game plan. So in case you in case you want it. Here are things that we think are important that maybe you don't come across the same way that we come across. Consider considering this. Well, and I also think there's an intangible value to this. And we're talking about the tangible wins losses, better decision making, more informed decision making you can make with analytics, right? But there is an intangible to this of 
showing your fans you're doing everything you can to win. Every stone. And this is this is a lot of times a college football discussion. You know, if Alabama has 47 analysts Why and Tennessee we? has seven, then fans are rightfully looking around saying, well, that's a team that you play every year. We make money, too, at that university. Why are we not paying for analysts? Why don't we have that many people? And whether it's going to mean a win or two more or not, there is a value in that perception from your fan base. The Titans, for years, had the perception of being cheap because of Bud Adams. They're not that way anymore, and I firmly believe that. And I think that's an unfair stereotype that stuck around. But you want to start bringing back stereotypes like that? Be the one team out of 32 that doesn't have an analytics department. And then people start to look around when they lose some games and say, my team's not doing everything they can to win. Whether right or wrong. But that is the discussion point you're going to get from fans at times. Brent Hubbs at VolQuest wrote a great column, uh, and it's titled, Pride is Worth Plenty. And he's describing Tony Vitello and the baseball program and saying what I've always said. Baseball's not a moneymaker. I get that it's not the most popular sport in the world. It's never going to make money on this campus. It's not football. It's not men's basketball. But sometimes you have to pony up to give your fan base a sense of pride. And what that baseball team has done has given Tennessee fans something to be proud of, where they weren't expecting it. And there is a value to that. And he compared it to Lady Vols basketball. Lady Vols basketball lost money with Pat Summit, with all the money they pumped into that program. But winning national championships is something that's good. Vanderbilt baseball is another great example. Not making money for the school, but a great source of pride for Vandy fans and for the city. There is a value and an intangible worth to showing your fans you're doing everything possible to succeed. And I think having an analytics department is one of those things where the Titans could show that to their fans. But, but just to, to be the counter, like Hutton said there at the beginning, never minding the potential for the 12th win, they could come back and say, 11 and 5. We're showing AFC you we're, championship. we're showing you we're, we're we're into winning. We're doing winning. it. We, we yeah, we're in the winning because we're winning. John Robinson I mean, hasn't I, had a losing year uh, over the last 5 I mean, years we've does, been I would one get of the most I would get that. I mean, league. that's always going to be the fallback and some right fans now. Will and that's, say that. You that's know, the fans that defend the them no matter what. Well, look, the the, the automatic fallback to the Jags are they're not winning. So no matter what they're doing, they can spend as much money that's as right. they want in fan relations and analytics departments. They're not winning. So that's the ultimate fallback. But they won the division once. If they lose the division this year, I'm not going to come back and say the Titans can't be questioned because they won the division no, that I, one time. I, I agree. Because they the Colts are teams that wins divisions, yeah. plural. The Texans, everyone made fun of Bill O'Brien, won divisions, plural. I'm not ready to crown the Titans no, because they won the division one year and squeaked into it, and then they go and get beat at home in their first playoff game by a team that values analytics. I know they beat their doors off the year before, in Baltimore, but that's a team that values analytics, right? Yeah. The Ravens? Well, that's yes. a team that won when it mattered. Right. And this are, last you, year. are you using analytics, too, on something like deciding that Des Fitzpatrick, a fourth-round pick, might be the avenue if you're not going and getting another wide receiver that Josh Reynolds and Des Fitzpatrick? Are, are you crunching the sort of numbers that, you know, on, on draft stuff, which aren't definitive or anything, but is that helping guide you? Where are you using that stuff there? I'm, I'm curious about well, that there's as also, well. Well, there's also a Not big, just game decisions. Uh, there, there, there's also a delicate balance with this where you can go overboard with oh, the absolutely. Sure. The Cleveland Browns Cleveland are Browns a prime example. Cleveland's up there. Jacksonville is you know up there. I don't know how Urban Meyer is going to play into this because they've had so many coaches, but that's the point. So is Cleveland. Cleveland had a whole 
uh, front office. They were going to go baseball. Structured Where solely GM, on analytics. Uh, everything was predetermined. That didn't last long. Um, no. They're they're now at a balance point, though. I think the Browns, where they use them intelligently. Baltimore uses them intelligently. I think the Colts use them intelligently. I think the expectation from a lot of fans and from us is that the Titans have access to this stuff and use it intelligently. Well, where there's not a fourth and two punt down down four points with ten minutes left, where you gain twenty five yards and it rates in the ninety nine point nine two percentile of cowardly decisions. That's a bad choice in the in the moment. We all knew it. Yeah. Well, the biggest flex point on this from being useful and successful and not is a strong head coach. And they've got Mike Vrabel's got a strong. I mean, the, the Titans have a strong head coach in Mike Vrabel, but it can't be a head coach that squeezes out an analytics department to where they don't want one. But Jacksonville has not had a strong head coach, so the analytics is not helping them out. Cleveland at the time. They were not having strong head coaches. It's the strong head coach that knows how to pair the analytics department with what he's doing, but that ultimately, this kind of goes back to the gut thing, right, Hutton? This is one that you pay the head coach to be the head coach. So that's taking in the analytics, asking them, being smart enough to ask what you don't know, asking for advice on certain situations, and then making the call and having that gut and knowing what to do in those moments. That's really the biggest difference between – the Ravens being a team that values analytics and being successful, oh, because John Harbaugh is the head coach, as opposed to the Jags also who are cycling through bad head coaches. Paul keeps referencing the punt, the cowardly punt. If everyone knew it was a bad decision, I don't need to pay $500,000 yeah, no, right. for someone to tell me that, that. That's not the right example. I, I need to know if the fourth and three from the 44 in the second quarter is the right call. is the going to increase my chances of winning. winning. And Vrabel has said this multiple times. He's about ending the game as soon as possible, not trying to get it down to the final two minutes of the fourth quarter, which tells me he's got to have somebody that's telling him those percentages. I, I, I think he does. I, I, but uh, here, the, to me, the question boils down to this. And he's a guy that's prepared for most every situation, right? When he's sending yes. Josh Kalu on he's been very to get too many men area. on the field, he's thought through yeah. that situation. So is there an element of the game still where somebody could bring him something and he could say, I hadn't thought of that? Okay? Is there an element? And I know that Stretch has brought him one or two things at least that he hadn't thought of that. That's a lot of stuff that happens at this time, right? So is there potential for him to be brought more stuff like that where I hadn't really thought of that or I hadn't thought of that that way? And that gives me another thing to sort through in advance so that when I'm in that situation, I will have contemplated the permutations of that. I think there probably is more that he hasn't looked at yet. And I would hope that he would look at all of it, or as much of it as his manager. I'll go back to this. Why not? Why not? you got a strong head coach. The money's not an issue. Don't overwhelm. Hire an analytics department. Mike Vrabel can utilize that department however he deems fit, because he is the head coach. John Robinson can utilize that department however he deems fit, because he is the general manager. But why put out the perception that you're not trying as hard as the other teams? I don't get that. And everybody always says they don't want to be overwhelmed by the numbers. What? Take as as much as or much as little as you want. As you want. Mike Vrabel's not an overwhelmed type of guy. No. I <laughs> right. I mean, he's not a guy who's going to guys. I'm overwhelmed. Oh my God! I got to go this, home. All this information. He's just much, not that type of person. Too much. He'll be fine. He can the, handle the it. The teams that win ultimately 
are doing it based on the players they bring in. Personnel. And the coaches that they have. Yep. Uh, the, the Steelers, you know, when, we're, when we watch Pittsburgh, they're not showing their little analytical department up there crunching numbers while Mike Tomlin's making a big decision on the sideline for them. But yet they still have analytics people. Yeah, but they're not considered a big analytics team. I know, but that's my point. Why put out the perception you're not trying as hard as the other ones? They still have it. And we're not sitting here saying, boy, the Pittsburgh Steelers really needs that analytics department with their style and their system the and their coaching. The only team being talked about but off that graphic again, is the Titans. Again, why not? Well, it just sets, it sets up for criticism when <laughs> the other teams are able to point to the numbers from their own staff. And then post-game, if something goes awry, where the numbers are leaning one way, or you have the Warren Sharps who immediately are putting out this detail to everyone and having it available, that you, you miss on an opportunity because of not having it available to you in real time. Uh, that, that's ultimately uh, what, what it comes down to, what the discussion's about, is why not have that department so it's available for you? Don't overstretch, stretch. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Good way to put it. We need Stretch on this show. Uh, and well if you don't said. know who Stretch is, Paul uh, wrote about him a couple years ago, detailed uh, his role for Vrabel, who uh, had him with uh, his defensive staff in Houston, I believe, prior. At to, Ohio State. At Ohio State. I'd love to get Stretch on the show. That'd yeah. be great. I think it was uh, short of a miracle that Online I got only. him uh, That I got him for the story. Online we could only. read the story. Print. Print only is what you're saying. We'll never you hear from him. would love to make some money. We're going to do that for you in just a moment, or Chad will, with today's 360 Parlay. But first, let them know how to make some money with Renter's Warehouse. You are going to make some money, and you're going to make that money up front and guaranteed with Renter's Warehouse. You see it up on the screen right now. The website is rwnashville.com. The phone number is 615-398-9550. Get the most out of your real estate investment by receiving a full year of rent Paid up front. That's up to a year of rent payments in your pocket right now. Renters Warehouse Nashville. They're the leading and they're the leaders in property management in Nashville. And it's the only company providing upfront rent. The upfront rent program is available for a limited time. Call Renters Warehouse Nashville at 615-398-9550 or visit rwnashville.com to see if you qualify. Do it the Renters Warehouse way and get tomorrow's rent today. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. The FanDuel.com parlay for tonight, the FanDuel.com slash OK360, that's how you can find the bet. It's up to $1,000 cash back if you win as a first-time user. So if you've never signed up before, why haven't you with this? Try FanDuel Sportsbook. It's simple and easy. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Chop, chop. For those that already have the the app and you have it downloaded, you can join us in a parlay tonight. Chad had a parlay last night that we all followed him on, and it hit. So we're NBA. rich. In the NBA. He hit. So I love the NBA. Chad, let us know how we're doubling up tonight. It was also the rare uh, parlay or bet that both hit with ease. <laughs> Easily. There was no drama. The Pacers destroyed the Hornets, yes. and then uh, the Celtics it pulled away easily from Washington uh, in the fourth quarter. So two easy hits last night. I'm going another two-game parlay. Getting a little bit more involved in this one. I am going the under for the away team, the Golden State Warriors at the Lakers, under 106.5. I think the Lakers, they play defense. 
They okay. will show up and play defense. I think the the Warriors will be held to the 90s. So it's minus 110 on so those odds. Minus, minus 106 on that. Part two of the parlay is I like these player performance doubles, especially in NHL. I'll probably play one tonight uh, with the Preds and, and Hurricanes. I am taking Dylan Brooks to hit two or more three-pointers and the Grizzlies to win outright. I think the Grizzlies are five-point favorites in this game against San Antonio tonight. Yes. I'm taking Grizz to win outright and Dylan Brooks to hit two or more threes in the game. That is the two-game parlay. So, again, the under for the Warriors, under 106.5 points, and I've got Dylan Brooks two-plus threes and the Memphis Grizzlies to win. Paul's Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, I love all things Memphis. I'm sure they're retired Memphis guy. I don't have three times. Dylan Brooks. That was also another prop bet. Dylan Brooks' jersey to be retired (laughs) after he hits two or more threes tonight. Was it plus 90,000? So you could bet on that as well. All at FanDuel. (laughs) Player threes. Dylan Brooks. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Preds, uh, let's see, minus one and a half for uh, in favor of the Canes tonight. Chad, you're just taking that outright. You said minus one and I'm, a half. I'm taking uh, Carolina by two or more goals, yes. Uh, if you're a Preds fan and you want to bet and root on the Preds, I think the over under five and a half is where it needs to be. Uh, if the Preds can keep it under five and a half, uh, they have a great chance of winning and coming back with a series tied 1-1. So if you want to root along with the Preds, bet the under five and a half in this game. I think this is a two-to-one game late. The Preds pull their goalie and lose three-to-one on an empty netter, and then I'm going to win my bet that way. I think that's that. it's that type of game tonight. Your bet on the under? My bet on Carolina Minus winning one by half. one and a half, yeah, the, on an empty netter. That's what's going to do it. I... I uh, I'm going to stay away from betting on this series for the time being because I root too hard for the bet, and I want to watch you it somewhat Well, then, then bet on the Preds. I don't you can do both. This is what I do. I always pick a game, and I, and I don't bet with my brain. I bet with the heart of where I'm going to be rooting watching the game. Yeah, I, I just want to Can't watch it. Can't do it? Okay. I'm better off just watching it. We'll be recapping it tomorrow. John McClain will be on the show as we talk NFL headlines. Hey, interesting futures Ryan bet. Ryan Leaf is on the show tomorrow. Sorry, Hutton. Didn't mean to cut yep. you off preview tomorrow. But interesting futures bet because they've got this at FanDuel right now. And I want you to tell me what you guys think about this that I made. Uh, two of them. And Hutton, I think you made the same one, actually. And we didn't talk about this. I took Josh Allen to win the MVP next year. $5 bet, $65 to win on a futures prop. And for the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, I took Trey Lance. $5 bet, $45 max win. I took Trey Lance only because he's in the best situation if he wins the job early in the season with Shanahan, with a good team, that I could see him with those odds. What are Najee Harris's here. odds? That was, that was the either the first, I think the second best odds okay. was Najee Harris. Trevor Lawrence is the best odds. Yeah. Yep. Trevor Lawrence. It was Trevor Lawrence, maybe Zach Wilson, and then Najee Harris. I like the Josh Allen, but I went Derrick Henry because it's like five dollars to win two sixty or something like that. Oh, looks like I'm going back in. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Back up right now. Thanks, Paul. Fun show today. Back at it tomorrow. Hit the podcast in the meantime. If you missed a portion of the show, you can download the show wherever you find your podcast. You can also subscribe on YouTube. Thirty percent off the Outkick VIP membership. For those who subscribe to the Outkick 360 channel on YouTube. So go hit the subscribe button, hit that bell, ring that bell, so that every time we go live, every day at noon Eastern, from noon to 2 Eastern, and every day that we post new content, 
you'll be able to be alerted to that exclusive content on the YouTube channel. Back at it tomorrow on Outkick 360. I need to use the bell and the megaphone more. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.